0: Rob, it's been a while since we were on. Volta is done, dusted. We went through that. A few smaller races. And then, of course, we're on for Il Lombardia. Um, Go talk us through the Bretagne Classic and then uh, the Canadian races. And then we'll go on to what happened in Italy.
1: Yeah, yeah. So the Canadian races, um, yeah, always an interesting two races, a lot of UCI points tied up in them. and yeah, this year, I thought a pretty good races this year. Uh, first one, um, it's always kind of a bunch sprint, kind of punchy towards the end. And um, yeah, we're seeing one of the big, uh, kind of a breakthrough rider of the year, but not fully a breakthrough rider, Lee um, with a massively impressive sprint to take that. And yeah, I think this is a rider who I think could be a real, real star of the future coming up, winning Grand Prix winning the race in Quebec, being Corbin strong and Michael Matthews who always performed well in that race. Um, and yeah, just fantastic result for him. I think Lotto's destiny, having signed him long-term, I think definitely fills the void of losing Caleb Ewan. And um, yeah, I think a real guy for the future, he might even develop into a classics star as well, as opposed to just being kind of the puncher he is currently. And then, um, yeah, sort of leading in to the build-up for Lombardia. We saw Adam Yates and Pavel Pavel Sivakov on an extremely high level uh, in Grand Prix Montreal. Adam Yates taking the win there ahead of Sivakov. Um, Two fantastic climbing performances from both of them. And uh, yeah, after that, it was a few smaller Italian races leading into Lombardia.
0: And uh, Um, yeah, Uh, um, I was just going to mention Movistar picking up a third spot. Probably one of the best results all season in, in Montreal. They haven't, yeah. yeah. They've been showing themselves here and there, but yeah, Aaron Baru picking up third spot, and even Simon Yates coming in sixth. Velasco fifth for Astana. Uh, we'll we'll go into this later in the podcast, I guess. But a lot of teams not picking up results. Um, a few years ago, you'd see. All these teams picking up few few results throughout the season, but I haven't seen that this season. But onto that later. Let's go to Lombardia.
1: Yeah. So Lombardia, um, kind of yeah, the build-up races, the Italian races. We sort of saw um roglic was sort of coming in strong. Uh Gerard Emilia was clearly the strongest rider, uh, ahead of Pagaccia. Pagaccia kind of always having the strongest team in this race is UAE seemingly having a lot of very strong riders, still fresh, still going at this late stage of the year. Pagaccia very well supported in this race by Adam Yates and Mark Hershey, especially. Yumbo um, Visma kind of thin on the ground, relatively speaking, with them, and Wilco Kelderman, Bolter and Banu, which, you know, solid riders, but in a race as hilly as Lombardia, and not, not an A team sort of thing, yeah. Um, and yeah, kind of Pagatcha having won this race in 2021 and twenty twenty two as well. Um, just kind of launching a big attack on the main climb and staying away. Pagatcha very good road bike time trialist, and yeah, the group behind left with no no teammates, no domestics to chase, and when a rider as strong as Pagatcha has got a gap. Um he's never gonna have the cohesion or very unlikely to have the cohesion, even with him cramping to bring it back. Um and yeah, we also saw Evnipol crashed early. Maybe he had the legs to have done more in the race, maybe he didn't, but yeah, a bit of a disappointing end of the season for him with that crash. Um I think Remco and Pagaccia are likely, hopefully we'll see them clash properly at the age and um in in Lombardia next year, because I think they're Two of the best. Well, I think they are the two best one-day races um over hilly terrain. Um, I think we should see a great duel a few times of them in the future, but yeah, it's not quite happened this year. And yeah, just another outstanding win for Pagaccia. Didn't look like he had it in those Italian races, but with a bit more distance, a bit more difficulty on the course. Um Pogaccia once again showing he's the class of the uh the field at the moment, and the only thing blocking him from having a near-perfect season is uh, Jonas guard at that Tour de France. Absolutely.
0: absolutely, and that brings his win ratio for Lombardia 3-3, three three, which is absolutely incredible, and I don't see anyone beating him next season. So, no. incredible, incredible stuff. He's on five monument wins. Um I, I don't think it'll be long before we start talking about when's he going to get the fifth one, and I mean, each of each of the different monuments. Of course, he's still yet to win Paris Roubaix and MSR. but <clears throat> but uh, Paris Roubaix might be a stretch. But why not next season MSR? And uh, I wonder if he's thinking about it as well. If he wants to go for,
1: I think he should. I I I think I think he's a rider capable of it. I think I think uh, I think both Roubaix and San Rumo are tough for him simply because it's so hard for him to drop there, uh, Van Art and especially Vanderpol at either of those races. Um and he, although his sprint's good, I don't think he can ever beat those two, to be honest. Um but yeah, he should definitely give it a go because you know three out of the five at his young age is something pretty special. And you know he's kind of he's won the tour already. I yeah. think a career goal for him to win all three grand tours sounds like an obvious one and yeah I think I think he should I think aiming to win a lot of races is potentially something he has on his career I think he's going to struggle to like build up a massive hall of Tour de France wins but so yeah kind of weird to talk about how he should plan his legacy um but yeah I agree He should go for Roubaix and definitely San Remo which I think he will uh next year seeing as we're talking about Monument
0: wins, it's probably worth mentioning uh, Van der Poel as well. He's in the same boat. He's got three to his name. Um, well, three separate ones, rather. Uh, <clears throat> but he's, of course, won Vlander uh, <clears throat> and twice. But he's another one who is probably looking at his record and thinking, yes, he he probably wants, wants each of them. But I imagine Lombardia is it's going to be a tough one for him. But yeah, definitely. Yeah, I think just, yeah. With a good team, maybe Simming down. Yeah, but it's I wonder if he's thinking about it as well, because he's done it all in a sense and it's like, yeah, why not?
1: I don't yeah. know. Could be one. Could be one for him to try. Definitely a big ambition there. Yeah. Big ask. But Absolutely. yeah, no. So I definitely think he could, could give
0: it a go. Right in front of me, Rob, I've got the list of winners all season for the big races, the UCI World Tour races and the same names are are there over and over again, really. Rob, um, early season, yeah. if you remember, it was Yumbo uh, Visma just picking up win after win, um, and then you know the likes of Tade Pogacar, Primrose Roglic picking up the early uh, week week long races, and then uh, you go to the you go to the classics, and of course uh, that's where we talk about Yumbo picking it up, and then. Uh, you've got the likes of Pogacar again, picking up Flanders, uh, Va- Jonas Vingegaard picking up Basque Country, Van der Poel winning Paris-Roubaix, Pogacar again, picking up both Amstel Gold Race, Flesch Wallon, uh, Remco picking up age, and of course he's world champion, TT So it's just, Rob, This these five, six, seven riders, or t- two, three teams, which are sweeping everything um how do you react if you're one of the other teams
1: uh yeah it's very tough obviously yeah budgets are different and yeah win rates are obviously probably usually quite related to the budget of a team um yeah but you know some teams a lot of talks been about the riders coming and going um from teams and moving around and yeah that's a big part of it but i feel the support staff um, are probably a as important, or if not even more important, part of this conundrum. And if you're a, if you're running one of these teams, one of these underperforming teams, you should maybe I feel like prioritizing that is potentially the route to go down. You look at Intermarche, um, which haven't a lot. Of their some of their eyes haven't quite done as well as they'd have liked. Um, but Gama is definitely one of them. Um, but they just all sort of perform very well for clearly what their budget is. Um, And yeah, I feel that's really what they should be doing, like getting the best nutritionists, getting the best performance staff, getting the best aerodynamicists, because it's a lot of cheaper option as well. Um, Probably getting the better talent scouts as well, because there's definitely some teams doing some quite dodgy signings. and, yeah, there's. I think that's the route I'd go down if I was one of those uh, more struggling teams, perhaps.
0: There were rumours earlier this year, uh, well, only a couple of months ago, it was on, then it was off, then it was on, then it was off. You had Yumbo, um potentially teaming up with etix or merging, rather, and then it was off and it was back on and then it was off. Much relief of everyone, really, because a merger would mean lots of staff, lots of riders, um, so in many ways, I think people were happy. Um, but when you look to their 2024 season, it's still a little bit shady in terms of who's going to pick up the bill and uh, what what uh, sponsors they'll have on board. So um, I, I wouldn't be surprised if those rumours resurface, really, because they haven't stopped um, completely.
1: Yeah, no, it's an interesting one. I think, yeah, Yumbo. Having lined up a new title sponsor, well, Jumbo Visma, I think it'll be like Visma, and then I think it's like some sort of bike rental company or something that they're taking in um, as well. But yeah, merger collapsing. Obviously, don't know which side was keener to pull out, but yeah, it seemed like Lefebvre, very keen to be sort of running a team, holding a team, and yeah, it didn't really make any sense. The sort of only real reason I could think is basically one of, Sudal Quick Steps, um basically one of their sponsors just going across to Yumbo, and then basically that Sudal team totally dissolving, um, which I don't think really helps anyone. It seems very intricate way of Yumbo Visma basically stealing a sponsor. Um, but yeah, no, very good for the sport, it hasn't happened. And you know, Yumbo Visma uh probably getting probably be not a not a massive chunk by getting rid of Roroglich's wage for the 2024 season. Um but yeah, you know a lot of their guys are going to be wanting big money, like Olaf Coy uh, probably is re signed for next year. That was announced quite a while ago. But yeah, that that's a sort of big expenditure. I'm surprised they made. Um and yeah, obviously being a guard talking contract renegotiations constantly will probably be always wanting a bit more and probably Van Aert as well. I think Van Art re-signed a new contract with them this year. So yeah, they have need a lot, but I think they're offering value to money for sponsors. So, so yeah, it's a weird one.
0: This is interesting, Rob. And um, basically, I also want to talk about, like, what are the keys? Annie? Well, you just mentioned a few there, but there's been some transfers, Primrose Roglic being, of course, the biggest one. But any other transfers so far which have uh, raised eyebrows for you?
1: Uh yeah, uh, Jonathan Milan's one I find really interesting. Him going to the little little trek. Um, I think they've been very active, and I think I I like a lot of their signings as well. Teo is a nice signing for them. Also, um, they've clearly got a lot of money, and I think they're spending it quite well. Obviously, I don't know if they're how much they're paying, like, um, but yeah, I feel that's a big one. Another interesting one around the Roglic move to Bora. Is that Roglic is bringing Mark Lambrecht, who's currently Ralph Arts' coach, with him, um, which I think is a massive thing for Bora as well. Because you look at the riders they brought in in previous years, big money signings such as like Blasov and Hagita, and they've just underperformed. And some of Bora's like best performance staff have gone elsewhere. Like, so I think they really needed to sort of replenish their performance staff. Or um, well, they're like top coaches, which I think Mark Lambrecht is, is a very good signing for them. Um, other than that, I've Roglic is clearly the key one of this calendar. Uh, quite a lot of movement from the Sprinters. You're seeing um, Fabio Jacobson move um, to DSM. I don't think that'll work out fantastically for him. Um, Results wise, probably quite, hopefully, for him, quite a nice financial deal with them. And then South, Sam Wellsford leaves DSM. Uh, I believe for Bora which I think will be fantastic for him I imagine they'll be paying him a lot and he then gets a lead out from Danny Van Poppel and yeah which is probably after being at Alpesin probably the best lead out you can get at the tour so for him that's a fantastic move. Um, Yeah other than that other than that and the Roglic move uh, I don't think there's anything too exciting. Sivakov is kind of a big name going to UAE but um, I think his value dropped over the years slightly, to be honest, and he'll probably just move into the role of luxury domestique at that team, I imagine.
0: What What of uh, Ineos, though? Um, they've let, as you mentioned, Teo, they've let Teo go, Sivakov go. They haven't replaced, well, Chris Froome in many ways, or rather, they haven't replaced... Yeah, uh, uh, yeah they haven't. Um, they did have... Oh, his name now, escapes me. No, um, Tour de France winner. Oh, but no, yes, of course. Sorry, yeah. yes, uh, but of course the injury put him down for a bit. Um, so where are they next year? Where do they stand?
1: Oh, I think they're totally, totally done for. Like it's looking really bad for them. I think their their saving grace is that they did re-sign Carlos Rodriguez when he was meant to go to Movistar. I think he he um. He is probably the guy most likely to win the tour next, apart from Vingergaard or uh Pagatra in my opinion. I I I I think he's got more chance of doing it than uh when I So, in my opinion. Well, no, actually no, Remco's got more chance than him currently, I think. But but uh definitely Rodriguez is the next guy to win the tour is reasonable. Um but yeah, they've had a nightmare. I think they were they wanted the Yumbo uh sudal merger to happen um basically said so they'd get remco which i don't think would be fantastic fantastic for them because although i i don't think Ineos would improve his level massively from where it was at quick step i think they'd improve his time trial he'd probably be a guaranteed world time trial champion at Ineos, but i'm not, I'm not convinced his climbing would go through the roof maybe it would but I, I I don't see Remco at Ineos winning the tour still, to be honest. Um, Do you so think there's yeah. a
0: correlation between Browsford joining Nice? So obviously that's Nice's, the football club Radcliffe purchased recently. There's also talk that Browsford will be, have a hand in managing Manchester United. Um, not obviously the club manager, but yeah. more in the background. Um if Radcliffe does put off um, a purchase of the club, um, there's like confirmed reports of Brosford literally sleeping over in his car at the training ground for Nice Football Club, making sure that project like succeeds effectively. So, do you think there's a, like he's clearly taken a step back? Um, is that due to the poor results or other projects
1: enticing him more? Do you think? I think definitely other projects enticing him. I feel with the career he's had, he did it all at the Olympics. He did it all at the tour, and then you know I think once you get getting opportunities to move into like football, especially a team as big as Man United, I think for a manager, um, or well, not a not a not a football manager, as you say, but but someone in that sort of management role, I think yeah, for him, that's what he should do. Obviously, it's not great the team is kind of flopping and clearly having managerial issues. Um, Rod Ellingworth, I imagine, should be the person sort of taking on the main responsibilities. Um, How much Brailsford comes in and out and how effective that is, I don't know. I don't know if anyone really, other than those at Ineos, probably know that. But, yeah, I guess they were kind of taking a gamble with this merger happening. If the merger happened, they could have got Remco and also a whole load of other riders on on the cheap, um, but that's not happening now. So, so yeah, they've kind of... They gambled and they lost, I'd say, is what's happened, and now they've got an awful lot of places on their team to fill, and whether they do that with current riders who they currently don't have a contract with or haven't announced contracts with, I don't know. Um, but, yeah, they're definitely not bringing in another superstar Sounds like Pidcock's going to get pressured into doing a, a Tour de France GC next year, and, which probably makes it quite hard for him to defend his Olympic mountain bike title. Um, so I imagine it'll be Rodriguez and Pidcock likely in quite a good position. One of them will likely confer at the tour next year. Um, but I don't see either getting close to Picacho or level unless they have an issue.
0: Eddieks are in a similar situation whereby bunch of riders are probably going to leave or have already confirmed leaving. Where where do you see them next year, and how do they pick themselves up?
1: Oh, I think it's a tough one. Oh, they still got Remco, which is their main thing. They got Malia as a sprinter. Um, I think, yeah, the 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 classic side of their team is now is now just just weak. It's nothing really too special. Um, like Lampart's sort of fading. Um. And yeah, it's not it's not looking fantastic for them. I think Remco will go to the Tour and probably be the favourite to come third. Again, really don't see him competing at Gard or Pogacic's level. Um, he has their kind of interesting signing. Their interesting guy coming in is Mikel Lander. Um, who I think could be a good mountain domestique. Although the thing is with Lander, he can only go well uphill. Like He can't pull on the flat. Pulling on the flat, he is probably one of the worst guys in the pilot on at doing that um so yeah he's only really going to set pace on really steep gradients where it doesn't really matter too much if you're on the front or not so so yeah i wouldn't say remco's got great support for winning a grand tour still so yeah it's not great for them that's what remco wanted um but yeah i think i think for them a good few remco wins throughout the year and then third at the tour <laughs> is probably the best they can hope for, to be honest. And
0: so where does Roglic fit into all of this? Do you think, Rob, in next year?
1: Uh, a step backwards, um, to be honest. I think again, I, I, I think I can imagine him. He's, I think his destiny is likely a mild step back in performance. Uh, Bora, I don't think they've had a respectable time trial result for a very long time. I'd say all their big signings have taken a step back in performance in the last few years. I think he needs Mark Lambrecht to be his coach, um, which I assume he will be, but he's not gonna have the support staff that he did at Yumbo Visma. And I think Yumbo Visma have the best support staff pretty much across the board, other than in time trials where Bigham's number one now. Um and yeah, I think I think his performance will just drop. Slightly, I think he'll still win lots of races. Uh, still win like stages. I don't think his sprints as good as it once was. So maybe even fewer of them as well. And yeah, to be honest, I just see him being part of the big fight for third place at the tour. Um, so yeah, not great. And I hear well, although it has all worked out pretty well for him because apparently he's on five point five or six million at Bora, which I think even in this increasing wage market is quite a good deal for Roglic to be honest so yeah absolutely and so looking at the other
0: teams now Rob like you have the likes of Astana you have Movistar, um Wanty Gobert how do they how did they pick themselves up next year um you mentioned of course investing in the backroom staff but the rider quality isn't there either so how do you compete when you're, if you're the coach in that team? What, what are you telling your riders? What are you aiming for?
1: Well, yeah, these teams also have to take into take into thought what, um, like staying up as World Tour teams in the next three year cycle. And Astana's is already looking quite quite bad in that sort of area. Um, and yeah, they they clearly don't have the money to make big signings. Their big thing is kind of doing well with Lutsenko, um, Lily there. They're a Kazakhstani team, sort of trying to like build the brand of Kazakhstan slash Astana, which is capital city. Um, so yes, they I I'd say they're doing quite well at developing cask riders, um, and yeah, but like getting results, they're going for Mark Cavendish is seemingly where all their money's going. Massive gamble, massive gamble. Cav's head can go come and go, his health can come and go, and. You know, a sprinter can crash out on the first day of the tour. That's clearly Astana's big thing. Um, and yeah, they've brought in Merku, who, who had a poor season, in my opinion. Um, they bought in Cavendish's coach, which I like. So you're changing their performance stuff. Well, Cavendish's coach, Quick Step. So the main Quick Step sprinter coach, which is very good. Um, and yeah, I think Astana, big gamble putting a lot of eggs in the Cavendish basket, but it might pay off for them big time. It might not. Uh, I still think probably not, but yeah. Uh, and Movistar, I, I mean, yeah, their their nightmare, clearly. I mean, they were rumoured to be having mergers as well, even with potentially Ineos at one point, which sounds crazy, but I don't think that's happening now because they've signed a number of new riders, pretty weird riders, like obviously it's a Spanish-speaking team and they're bringing in guys like Davide Formolo, who's Italian, um, and Remy Cavagna, who's French and could get a lot yeah. more money at a French team. So some weird yeah. signings from them, in my opinion, and not ones if at the start of the season they planned it all out and had it happen, then would be the ones. I, yeah, I feel I don't really see what Cavagna does at that. They They, they just don't really seem to fit in the team that well. They'll probably hope Enric Mass returns to his 2022 form as opposed to this form. Um, But yeah, uh, it's not a nightmare for them. Maybe signing Nairi Quintana or Miguel Angel Lopez is probably a route I'd be going down for them, to be honest. Um, But yeah.
0: Finally, Rob, just to wrap up then, Um, what are you looking forward to most next season?
1: Next season? Well, I don't know. I think... think, uh... Honestly, more transfer stuff. Yeah. I find it really interesting. Uh, who should go where and stuff like that. And basically what Ineos should do and what they try and do. Because, yeah, there's just been crazy things happening in transfers and mergers this year. Um, and Ineos are clearly desperate to get their hands on a big sort of ready-made talent for them. Um, so seeing that as well. I think the tour the tour should be good with um, Bogacá versus... Versus being a garden, yet yeah, seeing how Roglitch goes at his new team will be interesting, also. So, so yeah.
0: Absolutely, Rob. Thanks for coming on and uh, look forward to having you again next season. Look forward to it, mate. See you soon Bye. You again. Bye. Bye.